Okay, welcome back to Inside Flicks. We're going to be doing our box office report. Uh, Rich, tell us what movies made the top five. Well, this President's Day weekend, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania came in number one with $120 million. Going in number two was Avatar The Way of Water with $8 million. Number three is Puss in Boots The Last Wish with $7 million. Number four film is Magic Mike's Last Dance with $6.2 million. And round of the top five is Knock at the Cabin with $4.6 million. All right, let's just dive into it. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was number one. Pretty much what the studio expected. It, it made it as much money as they they kind of... Um, yeah, it hit its mark. It hit its mark. But despite, you know, hitting its mark, it's also a movie that has gotten a lot of bad reviews, a lot of bad reactions to it, not just critically, but also online. It seems both critics and fans have been disappointed with this movie. But I'm expecting a large drop this coming up week. Yeah, surprisingly, hearing the first uh, reactions for the, the full reviews coming down, right now in Rotten Tomatoes is at 48% with the tomato meter. But the audience, yeah, the audience score is much higher than I expected. It's, and right now it's at 84%. And CinemaScore gave it a B. But overall, I've been hearing a lot of negative about the film. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this drops by next weekend uh, over 60%. Uh, Raymond, because of the bad press, because of the bad word of mouth, you think uh, it's going to have a huge drop this coming up week? I, I think it will. I think this is going to have probably a, a drop anywhere between 64 to 70 percent. And I, I think it's going to be, you know, again, very, very high, close to 70 percent, because this is a really awful movie. I think this is honestly like one of the worst comic book movies uh, probably since like the 90s. And and even those bad comic book movies from the '90s were at least playful and had you know they didn't take themselves as seriously as this movie. And this movie is arguably more stupid than something like Batman and Robin. So I I'm expecting this to have a, a yeah a massive drop, and uh, I'm blown away that um, the the actually the critic reception for this movie is as high as it is because I, I think it's some a lot of people are actually being very generous to this movie. Yeah, just go on social media right now, and uh, there is a lot of negative reactions to the film, and I think that's just going to just continue to uh, continue to snowball. Here, well, here's a good thing: it made its money this weekend, as expected. But I think as it continues to stay in theaters, I think those those drops are going to continue and continue. And once we hit March, there's a lot of fil- big films coming out in March. So I, I could really see this new Ant-Man movie drop out of the top five really quick and then drop out of the top 10 even quicker. Yeah, on President's Day itself, on Monday, um, it, it dropped 44% on Monday. It's going to drop even more during the week. And if that sustains in the weekend, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this one uh, doesn't even match Thor Love and Thunder for sure. Yeah, I'm very curious what how, how Cocaine Bear would do because if that's like a surprise hit, then I mean, that's not going to be good for Ant-Man. They've also kind of advertised it and, you know, the filmmakers themselves have even said that this is an Avengers scale film. Right, right. This this was not um, Ant-Man. I mean, I mean, budget wise, this was not an Ant-Man scale film. They spent as much money on this movie as they would on an Avengers film. And I think a lot of that money is going to be lost. I was actually very shocked to see like some of the, the some of the, the biggest MCU supporters out there actually being very negative on the film. And I think even some of the executives at Disney or, or at Marvel have even re- reacted and saying something about they're going to maybe slow down some of the productions of these films and TV projects. If they continue to put out these films and, and t- TV shows and they continue to have bad press, you think they're going to be forced to make a change. They should. But all of Disney should be making the changes soon. I mean, these announcements, how, how they're going to do Toy Story 5 and all that, uh, and the Lilo and Stories, these are desperate moves from, from Disney. I mean, they are not, they are not, um, investing in like, yeah, they're not investing originality. in creativity. Yeah. Uh, that they, they're known for. They're going for the, uh, the, the basic, uh, you know, sequelitis moves that everybody else has been doing. It's sad, really. I mean, there's no, um, um, this is the time for them to do more creative stuff and risk. Yeah, I don't, I don't, well, in a ways, I guess they are risking it and, and, they, and they're losing. <laughs> in other box office news, we should also add that uh, James Cameron's Avatar The Way of the Water has officially surpassed Titanic as it takes the title of third highest grossing film in history. That was expected for a while, and um, but it doesn't seem like it's going to uh, 
get reach the second spot. No. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was really expecting that Titanic re-release to give it more competition. Mm-hmm. As the list goes, it's Avatar number one. Number two is Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Number three, Avatar: The Way of the Water, and then number four, Titanic. Right. And three of those films are starring Zoe Zendana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know if she gets enough credit for that either, but yeah, who knows. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, the rest of the top 10, Rich. Coming to number six is 80 for Brady. Number seven is Titanic, the 25th year anniversary. Number eight is Marlowe. Number nine is Missing. And number 10 is A Man Called Otto. We should also add that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, uh, came in at number 13 with $652,000. Uh, with only uh, 445 theaters, which is a lot more theaters than I expected, but the, the, here's a movie, a horror movie again, <laughs> the, where the where the trailer was a sensation online, and it was a- actually able to produce some kind of uh, uh, numbers here or ticket sales. I, I think it's I think it's impressive for this like tiny film that uh-huh. probably didn't cost um you know very much. Um, I imagine it just costs like probably under twenty thousand or something like that, and. It's already made 1.4 uh, million at the box office, which is uh, impressive. Um, Fathom Events does, you know, charge a lot for their tickets, which is, <laughs> it, pro- it probably did leave a lot of, you know, these moviegoers someone to go see this movie. You know, pretty disappointing. Like, man, I paid 15 bucks to see this, but yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind of surprising that a lot of them didn't show up for Knock at the Cabin. Because it barely made thirty million so far, totally. and I, I think we we mentioned this a little bit that like M Night is not really fully embraced by the horror community, and I I think a lot of it has to do that he is much more kind of a suspense thriller. He, he you know I don't know did, does he go to these horror conventions? Does he I no? I, I really don't know. No. I mean I don't know what's the disconnect there, but I think that's probably why it's not doing that well. I mean it's still doing relatively well because it's a a low budget film, right? Right. So let's look ahead at this upcoming week. Let's look at what's coming out this weekend in theaters. Rich, tell us. Cocaine Bear seems to be the big movie that, for this weekend. Uh, the film is directed by Elizabeth Banks, and it's a crime comedy about a bear who goes on a coke fueled a rampage. Also starring in the film is Carrie Russell, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Margot Martindale, and the late Ray Liotta. So this is the only big movie that's going out wide. Uh, uh-huh. I think this is, you know, because of the trailers, it was such a success online. I really think this is going to gangbusters. Yeah, it's, it's a rated R film, right, though? Yeah, it is a rated R film. Uh-huh. And I think this is kind of almost, feel to me, it feels almost like a throwback to the hangover uh, comedies. But what's your feelings? Yeah, so far it has um, good word of mouth for the early screenings. I mean, uh, but I haven't heard that much of the turnout so far, so... You think um, this movie could, you know, open to what Megan opened at, despite being rated R? Easily, thirty million. Easily, uh, yeah. I say, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that um, the the uh, the marketing has been really well. I think it's appealing to even the youth. I think they're going to sneak in and they're going to go watch this. I wouldn't <laughs> oh, be surprised. So they're going to they're going to pay for tickets for Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a uh, uh, forty million plus. But you know, you never know until the um, the reviews come out too. I mean, I think the concept is fantastic. You got a bear who's coked up on cocaine and it goes on a rampage. I mean, what's not to love, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you got like a really <laughs> great cast in this. And, you know, look, I have my, you know, fears about, about Elizabeth Banks as a director, but I think she understood this material. It's also produced by Philip Lord and Christopher Miller, and they have a good record as mm-hmm. producers. You know, even though, if, if, let's say, it doesn't get the, the highest scores from critics, I think it's going to be good enough for become a uh, a sensation for this week. Yeah, I mean, it'll get better reviews than Ant Man. <laughs> yes, I mean, Ant Man just shows you that you know uh, films could be a blockbuster hits without the, the approval of critics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think this one could also be the same because I think that trailer and and the in the poster and, and the marketing has been pretty good for this. I agree. <laughs> uh, Rich Wells is coming out in theaters. Opening in select theaters is a Linoleum, which is a quirky midlife crisis comedy starring comedian Jim Gaffigan and uh, Better Call Saul star Rhea Seahorn. Also in select theaters will be Luther the Fallen Sun, which is the new Netflix film adaption of the award-winning British crime series that stars Idris Elba, of course, and Cynthia Revo and Andy Serkis. Also in opening in limited screens 
will be The Quiet Girl, the Oscar-nominated Irish coming-of-age drama. All right, now let's look into streaming. What what could we stream this week, Rich? Uh, the big release on Netflix will be We Have a Ghost. This is the new Netflix horror comedy from the director of Freaky and Happy Death Day to You, starring David Harbour, Anthony Mackie, Jennifer Coolidge, and Tig Notaro. Also on Hulu, Bruiser, the father and son drama starring Moonlight's Trevante Rhodes and Till's Jalen Hall. Oh, uh, yeah, so We Have a Ghost which is a trailer that I didn't expect that I was going to laugh at. I thought it was funny enough. It's most likely going to be stupid, but I like <laughs> yeah. the concept of David Harbour being a nonverbal ghost. I don't yeah. know. Call me crazy. But I think that is uh, just stupid enough for me to check out <laughs> for right, this weekend. Right. Uh, that's it for streaming, Rich. Well, also being released this weekend will be Megan on Peacock and Babylon will be available on Paramount+. Plus. And I believe Megan's going to be the unrated cut, right? I hope so. I am interested in seeing the the unrated cut for Megan. I thought Megan was a blast. Uh, it's it, I would say it's more of a comedy than than a horror movie, but you know, it's very satirical. Yeah, I think it's a fun movie. It's and maybe that'll be a good double header. We have a ghost and Megan <laughs> for this weekend. <laughs> yeah, according to reports, it is a being a unrated cut and will be available on February twenty fourth on Peacock. All right, I guess that's it for this uh, box office report. We'll be back next week. We'll see the the results of Cocaine Bear, and we'll talk about some of the new movies that are coming out next week. Get right. Now let's talk about what. Let's talk about our for our audio podcast now. Now we're doing our audio podcast. Let's just talk about some of the recent uh, death. Well, let's uh, actually let's get your review, uh, Raymond, uh, on audio about Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. All right, but, but really quick, what did you want to talk about really quick before we, we start doing this? Okay. You want to talk about Richard Belzer? Uh, I'm not super familiar with his <laughs> uh, work. I mean, I think he was in um in a, one of the David Lynch movies I watched. I, know, I mean, he's a kind of uh, a comedian first, but an actor who has appeared in a number of things. So, you know, for those who don't know, Richard Belzer was a, uh, a well, I guess he was mostly known as a, well, at least in his early career, a stand-up comedian. Uh, in the end of his career, he was mostly known as a TV actor. It has appeared in a, dump, a bunch of cop shows, um, Homicide uh, and and the Law and Order Special Victims Unit, playing the same character, John Munch. Um, and he played that character for like over 20 years or so. I mean, it was like kind of, I think it's like a record book thing about the longest character and the you know an actor to play at the longest character for whatever I don't know I don't know about that but to be uh um for a character to show up in so many products yeah I that, mean originally uh, originally he appeared the same character John Munch character appeared in Homicide and then it jumped over because everyone likes that <laughs> likes Richard Belzer playing that character mm-hmm. and basically he's playing a version of himself a grumpy kind of aloof kind of dude. Because I think there was the same producers. I want to say that the well, the the character was originated in the Homicide, the Homicide uh, right. ABC series, and I think Barry Levinson heard him on the Howard Stern show, and he wanted him for that that character that he was writing for it. So he was written into the Homicide uh, series, and then it, his character went on to do um, Law and Order, and then Law and Order SBU, and then he also did some appearances on. The X Files. He did a cameo there, and was it The Simpsons or was it something else? Yeah, it was um, something like where he appeared in like five different TV projects with the same also character. Also, in, in The Wire, he did an episode. Oh yeah, okay. And Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as Munch. Yeah, <laughs> just, that, just a it, cameo. So all of these, I think now this is like a the, the the Guinness record or something where a character appeared in multiple projects as the same character and the person playing that character. Oh, well, actually, there's even more. Uh, he was also in uh, um, 30 Rock as Munch <laughs> and, and uh, um, Arrested Development. Yeah, I mean, people just loved him and, 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 as his character. So, uh, he, so he has passed away, and, and they, they don't say how he passed away. He, they were saying that he, has, he was fighting illness at the end of his life. He was 78 years old, still pretty considered young. He, he died in France, yeah. which is where he was living in at the time. And, uh, you know, Rich, you're a big fan of Homicide Life on the Street. You were actually yeah. a big fan of Richard Belzer at the time. 
Tell us your yeah. thoughts on 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 him and his career. Yeah, I used to watch Homicide, and I, and I, and I love the the uh, the way uh, him and Ned Beatty used to um, partner together, and uh, <laughs> he used to also step on his toes and shit like that. So <laughs> he's also he's, he was just always nagging Ned Beatty, and or Ned Beatty hated him basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, it was a tip for tat type of relationship. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah, I stayed. Um, a fan of uh Belzer for a while. Uh-huh. Um but he also reminded me of another uh Richard, uh, Richard Lewis because they both uh, are stand-up comedians and they both uh constantly wear black. <laughs> and they both and, and they both constantly look sick. <laughs> well, hey, what a eulogy uh, we got. Yeah. yeah no, but, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Richard Lewis is being announced next week too. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Oh, hey, you know, have to edit this episode next week. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think both of them also came around at the same time. They both started their stand-up careers around the same time, around the 70s. And uh, I would say Richard Belzer was much more of a club comic, and that's not an insult. I'm just saying that he is someone who never really became famous for his comedy because he was mostly just always generic jokes. He always had a quit wit, and he was always like kind of this, I want to say like a Dennis Leary type, just kind of a grumpy type of comedian. And he, you know, he would appear as like as comics in these small parts in TV and film. I want to say he started in Flash Dance or or, or he opened up. Uh, um, I guess he was the oh fame. He, he was fame. He was the MC in fame. That's what it was. But go ahead. Um, he was also um um an opener for a uh, Saturday Night Live. So he did the jokes, you know, yeah, in the yeah, beginning. Yeah. Um, when when they were starting off, and then um he was in Night Shift. Yes. Uh, Michael Keane. I'm looking. I'm looking at his uh, filmography here because uh, I do remember him as a comic in Fame, and he also he was a comic in Scarface in that famous right. scene where it got shot up by uh, when they were trying to kill Scarface. And I remember he, I think he got murdered in that scene. So he would always appear in these kind of small parts in the 80s and 90s, and then what, he really hit with with Homicide, Life on the Street, uh, on television. And I think that you know I I was a big fan of Homicide. You know, and I also would hear him on Howard Stern's show all the time. He would uh, make a, appearances there, and they would have also a tip for tap kind of relationship. And I think that's what made him perfect for the role. But you know, thinking about you hearing about his death, I was I was reminded about his short stint uh, late night talk show host or uh, talk show sh- show where he hosted like this. I don't know. I guess it was after. Uh, the Tonight Show or something like that. I, I don't even know what channel it was, but it was very late at night, and he had a famous episode where he was talking to Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, and they were talking about wrestling, if wrestling was real, and Hulk Hogan famously put him in a, a chokehold, mm-hmm. and he went down flat, you know, and cracked open his skull and it was it, something that made the, no, the news. It made like national news and it, it was a big, big deal. Do you remember that episode, Rich? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty scary to see online or whatever on, um, on television because mm-hmm. that was the blood you could see in, on, on the floor. Yeah, it was very, like, yeah, it was, it's, 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 it, this is a time where TV, especially late night TV was very real. People were doing these type of stunts and I don't, I don't think he was expecting the stunt to go like that, but they would, you know, it was like the days of Annie Kaufman and people, you know, real things happened during that time. It's not, it's not like now, you know, nothing's going to happen on the Jimmy Fallon show. Mm. But now, I mean, back then it was like real stuff happened. And here's the clip. I'll show, I'll I'll, I'll let you listen to the clip because it's, I think it's. Remember, I had no idea what was about to happen and I'll be right back. Now, the first thing you need to know about amateur wrestling yes. or professional wrestling or submission, <laughs> well, you just tell me, brother, when you want him to quit squealing, okay? All right. It's called a front chin lock. <laughs> How about it, T? Keep him like that for a little while. <laughs> he's all right. He's just sleeping. He's sleeping. Really, that's, I, was, I was a sleeper hole. He'd be all right. He's waking up now. That was a serious right, brother? A lot of people... See, it works. All right, brother. And now, we'll be right back after this word from you-know-who. That was a scary moment in, in television history. And because and, he, he pops up and says, you know, we'll be back. And he turns his head 
to the to the camera, and you could see the blood kind of coming down because he's when he smacked the floor, it just and busted. I, heard, I kind of swore I heard a little scrape or a crunch. Probably, yeah, so, yeah. There yeah. was a little, you know, because maybe that was the maybe mic- it was just microphone his arm pack. dropping. Yeah, the maybe microphone just, back. Yeah, but uh, uh, Raymond, do you have any kind of uh, memories of you? Do you even know who Richard Bell's? No, I, no. Being completely honest, I'm not familiar with his work at all. Well, I remember him being in that uh, one episode, or maybe two, or whatever, of that the Green Room with Paul Bravenza. Yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, and uh, him and his little dog. It was, <laughs> yeah. a, um, it was a Showtime show. Right. Um, so Richard Belzer, he has passed away. Uh, rest in peace. He has provided us with some really great te- television, really great stuff on TV, and comedy and all that. So. In other sad news, we all, we also got a report about Tom Sizemore. Yeah, um, he hasn't passed away yet, but um, it, it, it seems like it's dire straits. So he it's suffered sad, a brain. Sad no, yeah, he sad suffered news. a brain aneurysm a couple of days ago, February eighteenth, at his Los Angeles home, and he's now in critical condition in, in the hospital. So you know, it doesn't look the future doesn't look too good for him. Uh, you know, he has a lot of history of, of, of drug, drug abuse, which I, I, I'm assuming that didn't help his condition. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tom Sizemore, one of the great kind of character actors of the 90s, and, you know, late 80s. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, not like Robert Downey Jr. never got a comeback. And um, uh, it's it's sad because his work, if you see any of his work, he stands out in every performance. He really deserves um, some kind of acknowledgement for his work, uh, uh, for all his work in, uh, in the, throughout the 90s. I mean, he's worked with Spielberg and everybody. Yeah, even though his personal life has kind of been riddled with controversy and, you know, the, you know, take that for what it is. But, you know, we're just talking about his work as an actor. And I think yeah. as a character actor, he's probably one of the best ones. And, uh, you know, I, I just out of the top of my head, uh, Natural Born Killers was a great, you know, performance. Sure. Uh you know, I really loved him in True Romance as one of the cops, you know. Uh, uh, Strange Days, which is a movie I just recently rewatched, and he was, you know, kind of great there. He's always a, someone who brings something to, to, to the films. I think yeah, he's, he's always best, a, bla- he's a badass in Black Hawk Down. and uh, Yeah, I think Saving Private Ryan was probably his right. best work, and, and right. I really wished, and when I was watching that movie at the time, I really wish that he was got an Oscar nomination. I don't think he ever did got a nomination, but he was close. I mean, there was he was in the talks. He was in the discussions of that. Right, right, definitely. Raymond, you you know Tom Sizemore's work, right? Yeah, um, I guess my favorite performance of his would probably be Natural Born Killers. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was a fantastic. He was Detective uh, Scanetti or something like that, and mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of a, a kind of a coked out <laughs> detective too. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> I really, you know, out of the blue, just one performance out of the blue that I really loved, and I don't think everyone, anyone would put this on their list of best top sizemore uh, performances, but I really loved him in Enemy of the State, where he played a mob kingpin, and there was one scene where he's- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he, it, and this was directed by Tony Scott, who's a director I love, too, and he, it, there's one scene where he's eating spaghetti with, with, <laughs> with his kid in the, in the scene. And he does a thing where he goes, you know, who, you know who made this spaghetti? And the kid goes, <laughs> no, no. And he goes, I did. You know, and it was something stupid, something kind of ordinary, but I just loved it because it kind of reminded reminded me of our father. <laughs> that was something our our yeah. father would have probably done. You know, uh, just take credit off someone else's work or something. You know. But it was it was like a nice sweet moment for a mob king, and to show it in you know this kind of really silly kind of thriller, it was a great kind of fun performances. I think that's what he brings to these films. I should also mention bringing out the dead in Scorsese's uh, yeah. ambulance thriller film. There drama. He was also another great kind of lively performance there. I mean, he's just one of those great kind of character actors that just brighten up the screen. Screen. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not dead yet, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it, it, he, you know, it's an unfortunate thing that happened, and it, it's really unfortunate that you know his his personal life, you know, was riddled with all this kind of chaos, and he was never able to uh, take hold of it. Because I think he could have easily been one of our great, great, respected actors if it wasn't for that. 
it wasn't for his drug abuse and all that stuff. But um, yeah, he just saw heat. <laughs> yeah, another one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we should also mention uh, Oliver Wood just really quick. Here's a cinematographer who just passed away. Uh, he was a British cinematographer, but he, you know, here's a guy who I, I don't think a lot of people know his name. He th- never really got the respect. I don't uh, think. I, I think he had a great style. He's known for Die Hard Two, Face Off, the Bourne franchise. I think that that would probably be the most that people will know him from. He did a lot of uh, uh, Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. He is he has a certain look. He did Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, a lot of great films in his uh, his filmography, and so yeah, I just wanted to quickly shout out, do a shout out, and say that you know I think this guy was one of the great ones because I I I, I remember thinking. I got to look this guy up. I remember, I don't know what movie it was, but I go, I love the cinematographer on this film. And, and yeah. it could have been like as something as simple as the other guys, which he did with Adam McKay. He actually worked with a lot with Adam McKay. And um, could have been, uh, could have been face brother. off. It could have been face off. I don't know. It was something that was could have been uh, the Brothers Grimsby. It could have been. Did he do the Brothers Grimsby? <laughs> yeah. It, it was something. And I go, I got to look up this guy. I go, oh, yeah, yeah. I know this guy. Face off. I love this guy's work. And when his name came up and that he died, he was 80 years old. Uh, he, eight days just before his 81st birthday, and uh, he died of cancer at his home in Los Angeles. I just wanted to do a shout out and say, like, I really loved his work. All right. Uh, let's get into the review. Let's get into the review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Raymond, you just got out of the movie theaters today. And I think you have great things to say about this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I guess let me start off with the positive things. I, I, uh, there's not much positive to say, but I, I, I will say that I think uh, Michelle Pfeiffer uh, is giving a, a very good performance in the movie. Well, I mean, she's the only one in the movie that's trying. <laughs> and uh, Paul Rudd is um, still charismatic as he is in the other, in the other Ant-Man films. Uh, but, oh man, this is, this is honestly like one of the worst comic book movies to come out in decades. This is this is awful, mm-hmm. and um, I'm 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 kind of blown away by just how bad it was because I thought the trailer was was good, and I I don't know I thought for some reason that this had a chance of being better than a lot of the recent you know kind of Phase Four Marvel movies. I thought this could be something, but unfortunately, it's it, it's it's a whole new low. It's a whole new low, not just for Marvel, but for the comic book genre. <laughs> and um, for me, it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of like a final straw. Like, I'm just kind of so tired and angry with Disney. Like, they just keep doing this over and over again, and I don't, I don't understand why I keep returning and giving them my money. <laughs> Even if it is, like, you know, to, to you know, you know, to, to talk about it and to have an opinion on it, but it's not even worth it anymore. Like, if you know, I, I, I you know, going into it with these Marvel movies now that it, it's going to be garbage, and if they're going to put this little effort into it, and they're just going to continue hiring Rick and Morty writers, and I'm done. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, what's the appeal of these Rick and Morty writers? I mean, we got a hint. Uh, the, this um, the new Lewis. guys. Yeah, this guy and then the, the girl from the, who did She-Hulk, who and come out of the, nowhere and, and with the no guy experience. that did um, also the guy that did Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, they basically have no experience other than Rick and Morty. Why? Why is Rick and Morty the 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 end all be all of of resumes? I think maybe it's L.A. I think because all the Rick and Morty writers are are, are in L.A. That it's a tight knit group. Not that that they shoot. Marvel films in LA, they shoot in Atlanta, but I think on the production side, they probably stay in LA. It has to be something like that. It has to be like this close knit community that only, you know, there's, you know, certain avenues that you can't, you can only go through to get these Do jobs. Do you think maybe they're just like the cheapest? Oh, well, of course. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. The, the, the more, the <laughs> less experience you have, the, the cheaper you could get it. But for some, for something that's going to be $200 million. Why, man? Why uh, risk it? Uh, at least have a, um, you know, have them start, a, 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 have them start a screenplay, but have somebody else 
you know, um, established, uh, look over yeah, it. Yeah, man. And this is a whole new low for the Rick and Morty writers because, like, this movie even recycles jokes from Rick and Morty. Uh-huh. Like, this is this is just so lazy. And I keep hearing people, like, defend the movie, like, saying, oh, Jonathan Majors. You need to see it for Jonathan Majors. <laughs> if I had never seen Jonathan Majors uh-huh. act in the movie before, I would assume that this man is not capable of acting because he is fucking awful in this movie, man. He is so bad. I, I am blown away by it. The only thing that makes his performance look better is the fact that in the... Oh, spoiler alert, but no <laughs> one cares. And the credit sequences, we get to see like multiple different versions of Kane. And both, both credit sequences are dedicated to this idiotic character. And we see majors do various different performances of Kane. Uh-huh. And w- each one of them is worse than the next. I could not believe it. Like This is the actor from... like. Uh, what was it the, the last black man in San Francisco? This is the guy that you know that has been doing all these like great indie films. Like uh-huh. this, this is it just blows me away because it's it really this is just him hamming it up, giving like a Power Rangers level performance. Like this is atrocious. I cannot believe that the fans are being fans and critics are being so generous to this movie. Did you like him more in Loki in the the finale of Loki season one? Oh God, he was so awful in Loki. But no, I mean it's a it's just it's the same thing. Yeah, I had I I I thought he had a unique take in in the in the in the Loki where he is more of a kind of easygoing, benevolent, you know, God di- divinity or whatever you know whatever Kang the Conqueror is. But he's you know, just a he's just an angrier version. But I mean, what the thing is also with with him in this movie. He's go- he's doing like five different performances all at once, uh-huh. and early on in the story, I don't want to spoil it or anything. It is kind of understandable why one of the personas would be there, but it doesn't explain the you know three four other personas <laughs> that he also has in the movie. It's almost like the character's supposed to be like maybe like have split personality or something like that, but uh-huh. it's never mentioned or uh-huh. something. But I-, I think he's all over the place, and this is an actor I was I'm a fan of. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but for for me, the only actors that really gave like performances that were good were uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's just being, you know, what he always does. Uh, and Michelle Pfeiffer, I don't know, I, I, for some reason, it felt like she was the only one that's trying. Michael Douglas, man, I don't understand why he did this movie because they just use him as comedic relief. Uh-huh. It's it's really kind of insulting to him. Like I I I don't. He must have demanded a lot of money to for to return for to this movie because that that's the only explanation in my head. Well, he probably uh, had know, a contract I also. Could, <laughs> yeah, that, that that's true. That's true. You can't well, get out of those Marvel contracts. Hey, Bill Murray, you know, not a lot of people are talking oh, about. He's Bill. just he's just reading cue cards his whole performance. <laughs> no man, he's awful. He's only in one scene, but he's mm. he's terrible. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I I have no really kind of. Interest in you know rushing to the theaters to watch this one. I'm just, I'm just definitely going to wait to wait to watch this on Disney Plus, and which I think, and from what I'm hearing, I think this it's going to most likely going to most likely come out Easter. I think this is going to be rushed into uh, Disney Plus because I think it's going to have a huge drop in theaters. I think once we get into March, because there's a lot of movies coming out in March, and I think that's going to hurt the mm-hmm. box office. And I think eventually Disney or you know whoever makes the decisions there going to say yeah let's just put this out uh, around easter time and because you know that's uh, just it'll be better to have it come out before the guardians uh which guardians will be coming out in may so it's it's sad it's sad it's sad because i, I think marvel has really kind of lost its way it's i think it's now kind of a move uh, it's a runaway train and i don't think they have enough you know no after this train wreck i really feel like this is the point where they really need to like stop, uh-huh. you know, look at what they're doing and really just take a break. Cause this is, they, they, they this is after a train wreck like this, you need to take like a, a three, four year break. Like this, <laughs> I mean, enough Marvel movies, enough of these stupid Disney plus shows enough. Give it a break. You know, oversaturation is real. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, um, it made a lot of money for this first week. And so I think if it like, say, that's true. If it bombed, I think they would have had to really stop production. But because it made a lot of money, it almost proves that they could put out this poor, poor quality films. And, and the well's people, not dry yet. Yeah, yeah. The people will still watch it no matter what. That's, that's, I think IndieWire said something about, had a great headline that's like, 
Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is critic-proof and fan-proof. <laughs> like, which, yeah. is, which is like, oh Gosh. my God, what the fuck have we done? Like, because I, I, you know, I, I was shocked at a lot of the reactions on social media. And this, social media, and a lot of this is coming from fans, Marvel, Marvel fans, and they're pissed off and they're like you they're kind of like i'm done with this this is horrible and i don't think marvel even cares because they're still making money yeah i i, I don't i don't really know what to say to that it's <laughs> it's disheartening it, it, it's disheartening it's sad uh, um I, I don't know man uh this there's just a, a a laziness to this movie that's unbelievable this really felt more like uh like rick a brick and morty episode Mixed with uh, Star Wars um, Attack of the Clones. Mixed with the Will Ferrell remake of Land of the Lost. It just kind of jumbled together into this like generic MCU formulaic piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, man, if it really weren't for uh, Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer, like this really would not have any redeeming qualities at all. Marvel has three big movies coming out this year. This this one is the first one. Next one is uh, Guardians three, and then then the Marvels, which has been pushed back, uh, I think to November. If Guardians is like a disappointment too, and then I, I I'm assuming it looks horrible, uh, and I'm really assuming that the Marvels got problems as well because definitely they pushed that back. That's not a good sign. That was supposed yeah. to come out in the summer. Uh, so I think they're trying to rewrite something or re-edit something at the last minute there. So I got, I got, I got, I got real fears of that movie. The only thing I think about Guardians 3, that that was a script that was written a long time ago. And maybe, you know, there's some hope for that one, but again, it could probably most I mean, likely I, go I, to this point. I want Guardians 3 to be good also. Cause I love the first Guardians and I've, I've liked. I'm a fan of James Gunn. I mean, I liked what he's been doing yeah. uh, with, you know, Peacemaker over at DC. And, you know, I want, you know, the third Guardians film to be good. I want it to be like to wrap up his trilogy, you know, perfectly. But what worries me is I didn't like the second Guardians film. Right. And when I see the trailer for the new Guardians movie, I see all the problems I had with volume two times 10. Like to the point where I'm just like Guardians three just looks like a sitcom. It doesn't even look like a movie. I don't know. I mean, I I, I didn't like the Super Bowl trailer, and uh, and you know, hopefully, I'm just crossing my fingers on that one. But I, if if Guardians come in and that you know that disappoints critics, and then Marvel comes in and that disappoints critics, where does Marvel go from there? Because that's this is the start of their phase, their new phase. Well, I really think a big part of the problem is with everything that's going on, and this is going to seem weird. But I think it's Disney Plus. Uh-huh. I think those Disney Plus shows have really kind of messed things up. Like, they should have really just taken a, a long break after Endgame mm-hmm. and yes. really just yes, uh, yeah. And also, I think after Endgame, once they took their break, they should have just came back maybe one or two movies a year. Uh-huh. Um, this this whole thing of like you know four or five movies a year, three t- three four TV shows a year. And they're all going to be subpar in quality. It, it's not. I don't know. What was the plan here? I mean, I don't understand how anyone thought this was going to be a good idea. So, uh, do you think The Flash is going to be the biggest comic book movie of the year, uh, box office wise? Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if it get bad reviews because of uh, the Ezra Miller situation. Hmm. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's definitely going to hurt it, right? Because some. Nah. I think it's no. I'm, I'm not I'm talking about the critic wise, the critic score. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to hurt it financially because I don't think a lot of people know who Ezra Miller is, and I, I don't think they or care or care. You know, uh, um, but critic wise, I think it's going to might hurt it. You know, it's going to get a lot worse reviews than it than it maybe could, unless it's a terrible movie. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> although every every kind of early buzz coming from the, from that movie is that you know this is one of the best. DC movies of all time, so who knows? But then again, who's leaking that? People from DC. Yeah, but the, at least they're leaking it. I mean, ah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, they could have said easily said, "Well, this." I mean, they they these the same studio that leaked out like Batgirl was unwatchable. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I don't know. Uh. I guess you could trust those sources a little bit. <laughs> um, 
But I, I like I, I was I was thinking about this. If so, if Flash gets like a great response by fans and becomes this box office uh, big hit phenomenon, will that somehow light a, you know Marvel's ass up and say you know oh we got to th- rethink this? And I, I don't know if it would. I don't know if it would. I don't think they would. I don't think at this point. I don't think they care. I think they're just really coasting at this point, and they don't necessarily need to you know worry about. DC or anyone else, because they they have such a dominant uh, control over the market. But here here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because I'm I'm per, I'm personally, while I do think there's going to be a giant backlash for the Flash from critics, mm-hmm. I still do think it's overall going to get a. I don't think it's going to get like worse reviews than Ant Man and the Wasp. You okay, know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. I still think I still think it's going to probably have a fresh score around Tomatoes. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to be as as high as it would have had you know his situation not been happening. And um, I and I do think it's going to be the most successful comic book movie of the year, financially, financially, uh, box office wise. I just think it's going to be the most successful comic book movie of the year because I I don't I don't think these these um. Marvel movies that we've been seeing, like based off their uh, their quality, I don't think they they're gonna have legs. I don't think the upcoming Marvel movies are gonna have legs. I don't think Guardians is gonna have legs either. And um, I think Flash is probably not gonna open as big as some of these Marvel movies. I don't think Flash is gonna uh, you know open to like a Wakanda Forever numbers. <laughs> uh-huh. But I do think it's gonna stick around longer than Wakanda Forever. I think yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a good chance it, it will. It's gonna have good word of mouth. Yeah, I think there's a lot of love for Michael Keaton's Batman, and to re mm-hmm. you know to see that again on, on the big screen, and uh, uh, I think that Super Bowl trailer was such a success that it, even though you might have, you know, mixed feelings about going to promote or support a film with Ezra Miller, just watching Michael Keaton again in, in his Batman suit, and that you know now looking like an old man, you know, like he looked pretty yeah. good in that suit, and uh, in that line. And I, I, I thought my biggest fear was like, oh, he's going to look like a very old dude and it's going to look like a joke. He didn't. And I'm like, oh, shit, that is so exciting to watch. And, you know, uh, you know, everyone's now thinking about the original bat, uh, the original Tim Burton Batman. So, I mean, DC should actually re-release Tim Burton's original Batman just to get some more buzz. I think uh, they did. They did last year. But, yeah, they should do it this year. Like, but like, um really market it and make it a big wide release i'd be for it but um but yeah man i, th- I think the flash is going to be huge and i think another thing that's going to help the movie out is that uh, it seems like it's going to really actually somehow be very faithful to the flashpoint storyline and that's just a, a fantastic comic book that's just a great comic book storyline and if they're really gonna like you know be able to capture what made that special but also you know tell some an, an original story because if, 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 if there is enough changes where it's not the exact same comic you know what i mean it's it's very different i mean the comic book didn't feature you know michael keaton's batman <laughs> and um i think the quality of the movie is also going to help it out and give it long legs because this is going to be a good movie it's going to definitely be a much better quality than you know all these recent marvel films and i think people again are, are going to turn out and it's going to have long legs it's not going to you know just disappear like black adam she, I haven't seen Black Adam, so I can't really say it. But I, because it's such a throwback uh, of a of a film, of a superhero film, I think people kind of were uh, easy to to write it off as just a kind of a terrible movie. And uh, um, but I think with this Flash movie, because it fits into a bigger storyline, or maybe close close it out the Zack Snyder's universe. I think that uh, that's much more of an appealing thing for comic book fans. Yeah. Um, Rich, you know, speaking of comic book, Rich, let me get your thoughts on the Hellboy reboot in the development. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to see another Hellboy uh, reboot? Mike Magnola, uh, who is the creator of Hellboy, he is working with the producers, I guess, uh, of, so I don't know, I don't know who that he's working with now. Hell yeah, man. That's fantastic. <laughs> we got such great results last time he worked with the producers. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, but you know what? You know, I would say that, yes and hell no. <laughs> I, I'm with Rich um, because you know that last Hellboy movie was awful. It was so so atrocious. It was like almost difficult uh-huh. to sit through. Uh-huh. 
But that being said, there's something to admire about that Hellboy movie. It, like the production of it, like the what they were able to do visually with so little money. <laughs> I think it's impressive. It's just a damn shame that the movie was, you know, just complete garbage. <laughs> Um, but that said, I, I love the character. I, I, I've, I've been getting a little bit into the comics and I think, I think, you know, you can do something and it can, and it could be different than what Guillermo was, was doing. It doesn't have to necessarily be a sequel to that, <laughs> but I don't want another, you know, <laughs> what was it? 2019 Hellboy uh-huh. again, or what it was, whatever year we came out. Yeah. I don't want that again. <laughs> well, Please. I think, I think a lot of people might not. Realized that Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy was very much his own version. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. the comic books. It was the, he, you know, he added like kind of the especially ca- Hellboy too. Yeah, he added like the, all that kind of Catholic imagery, and um, you know, it was very much his own kind of world. And but I don't think the this, the, the the David Harbor Hellboy uh, was it was kind of stuck in its in between worlds. Like it, it, it tried to appeal to the Guillermo fans and also the Hellboy comic fans. And it, it kind of failed at both, you know? So I like the idea that they're saying, you know, screw that. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to do, I think it's going to be sitting back in time before the, you know, the, the, the division, uh, the BDP, whatever it's called, uh, you know, I, the only thing that really throw, throws me off is that the, they got the crank director Brian Taylor, who's who's supposedly oh, attached to, to direct this, and he never really came out, came off as a to me at least, and like the greatest director of you know or a visionary director. I mean, sure he could no. do, he could direct good co- no. action, but uh, I don't know about this stuff. But and also every time he tries to go big scope, it it always seems to backfire. Like. Uh, it, it, the first crank, while while definitely not great, it's kind of a guilty pleasure of mine, mostly because I saw it, I think, when I was like 11 years old or something <laughs> like that. But um, everything that he's done since has just been so much worse, like painfully worse than the previous project. And that Ghost Rider movie he did, the second Ghost Rider film, like, I did not think it was possible to make a Ghost Rider movie worse than the first Ghost Rider movie. <laughs> and then, you know, he comes along and just and just did it. Actually, making you know, thinking about Ghost Rider two, the one made by the Crank director, just makes me think like, man, maybe Ant Man and the Wasp wasn't that bad. <laughs> 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 that, but that that no, because that <sighs> that Ghost Rider two was truly like an F movie. It was truly like a, a zero point five out of ten. It was pure garbage. While Ant Man and the Wasp was at least like a one point five out of ten. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I... That that's not exciting at all. It might be worse than the last Hellboy movie we got with Dev Harbor, because at least that one had um, uh, uh, the the was the director of the Descent, of, or if I'm not mistaken, Neil Marshall. Else. Neil Marshall. The Descent. He, he, the and Descent, he's done right. a lot of he's done a lot of love recently for Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and he seemed like a great choice. But if I'm not mistaken, I think he had a lot of uh, trouble with the producers. There was like a lot of. Um, I think he almost wanted to Alan Smitty the movie. Yeah, I think so. There was some really big conflicts about who got the final cut, and uh, I think producers ultimately took the final cut. But yeah, so I, but I mean, hopefully it. those producers aren't coming back. I think it's still same producers. I think oh shit, <laughs> this movie's gonna be horrible. <laughs> Rich, your thoughts on Hellboy reboot? Nah, don't even try it. Don't even try Just, it. Even the yeah. even with the crank guy. <laughs> no, especially with the crank guy. No, yeah. Do you who? Okay, let's. See, it seems like they're going for it anyway. Do who? Who should play Hellboy? Bring back Demon Harper at least, right? Or is he just like, no way, and I'm not doing that to my career again? <laughs> I, I, you know, at this point, I think he says, "I got Violent Night. I'm not going to screw that up. <laughs> it's already a I, franchise." I think, you know what? I think if David Harper's not returning, don't do it because he was the best yeah. thing about that movie. Really, how about do a CGI Hellboy? <laughs> don't do it just don't do it I'm with Rich <laughs> or just put a guy in a mask you know like a full on mask oh like Jeepers Creepers Reborn <laughs> yeah yeah just make it all set in uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the haunted house or whatever <laughs> no man just don't do it this is gonna be like the blood and honey of the Hellboy movies uh, not with those directors and uh, producers uh, yeah yeah I'm with Rich the, especially the, to the uh, uh, prequel that's that's even worse Oh, that's their excuse for not bringing back David Harbour. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, change, um, we'll change it up the setting and all that stuff. And, yeah. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, the last Hellboy movie uh, took place, like, during, like, the sixth 
uh, volume of Hellboy or whatever, like deep in the series. Uh-huh. So I, I mean, I, I guess they have their their cop out excuse to do a prequel, but no, I'm I'm a rich. They'll do they not with that team, not with those producers, and not with that director. Yeah, they're gonna want to get like Dave Bautista or something like that, but no, yeah. he's not gonna do it. No, he's tired of makeup. Yeah. They're, they'll probably get like a new up and coming wrestler that's not even like done movies yet. Yep, yep. Gonna be the Miz. The Miz. Oh, is they're gonna get a, a Roman uh, Reigns or whatever. He, was, he had a tiny role in uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Okay. There you go. They'll get him because mm-hmm. he, he doesn't act right. <laughs> uh, before we go, before we go, let's uh, we gotta mention one thing about this, Bruce Willis. Let's talk about Bruce yeah. Willis. You know, we already know that he was suffering from this uh, disorder, co- cognitive disorder. Um, but now his family has said that uh, his condition has worsened, and now he's on full dementia. And so, Rich, your your, your words about Bruce Willis and the, you know the sad news about his condition right now. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just so sad. I mean, it's 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 um, it's. Lights are out, man. I mean, well, uh, it's, um, it's, it's just, it's tragic, sad, yeah, tragic. It's sad. It's, it's, uh, Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with Rich. It's the same. It's, it's, it's really sad to hear. And while, you know, before we knew about his problems, you know, everyone was, you know, kind of making fun of the type of movies he was, he was making. We all really understand now. It's like, you know, it's like, thank God he got the opportunity to make those because, um, I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to, not going to have, I mean, he doesn't have those opportunities anymore. And it, it's, it's sad that it's all kind of happening so fast because even though it's been a long development, it's all sudden new news to us. This is like, these were just recent kind of things that we heard about. What was it, last year? Yeah, it was literally last year. And a few year. months ago, really. Yeah. And, and then now, Crazy. It, now it's like this, you know, really heartbreaking kind of, uh, news about how his you know and the thing is he's like he's pretty in good shape and 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 so he's yeah. gonna be in a, he's gonna be like this for a while and it's gonna just deteriorate 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 for a while because you know he's pretty young he's still i think he's still in the 60s or so and and speaking of hell speaking of hellboy he was uh he was his first sony's first pick to play hellboy <laughs> uh, but but um he didn't want to do it because he uh, he'd be under makeup and no one would be able to tell it was him. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean he has that you know the thing about Hellboy it's that he is a blue collar worker and and you know Bruce always had that you know even though we kind of know that he's a rich guy and 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 you know he's you know he's always on these boats and you know you know going to these galas. But once he plays like a normal dude, you you just you know you just buy into it. You know he 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 has the unique ability to just play these blue collar dudes, and and you just buy, you buy into it because you know you know he's from New Jersey, you know he has that kind of attitude, and um, he's kind of like a, a the uh, uh the Bogart of this generation, and um, yeah, it's like I said, you know, because he's so young, he's, I think he's only 67 years old. It's going to be like a long, tragic kind of road to the end. And I, that's probably the biggest kind of uh, lump in your throat when you when you hear it. Uh, so it's going to be kind of similar to like, uh, well, I guess it'll be, it would be similar to, you know, the, um, uh, Christopher Reeve. Yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah. at least Christopher Reeve had, you know, his, his marbles. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I mean, both both things are t- tremendously sad. Well, that's what I'm saying. That yeah. uh, Christopher Reeve it happened when he was so young, and right. he 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 lasted like 20 years in, in the wheelchair or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, then, and it's it funny because I remember he, when he died, when when Christopher Reeve died, it was like, oh shit! I thought that guy was gonna live forever. You know, I really yeah. thought he was gonna live long enough to get like at least to improve his Job condition. <laughs> yeah, well, at least. We're gonna find some like scientific uh, uh, advancement, you know. Yeah. There was like a famous, there was a famous like uh, uh, a Super yeah, Bowl. We're supposed to have a flying car, right <laughs> now. but there was like a famous <laughs> Super Bowl spot where he was. Uh, they were talking about like the science, uh, like the advance of science. I forgot what it was about, but there was like a CGI Christopher Reed walking again. Remember that? Mm-hmm. No, and the, well, the, the, that he did. It was like he he gave the approval. It was I I maybe it was for drugs for something. I can't remember what it was. 
but we saw him walking in this CGI effect in the, in some Super Bowl spot. I'm like, oh shit. And and that made you think like, oh yeah, he's gonna you know live in long enough so we can have some kind of science uh, scientific breakthrough, and, and that didn't didn't happen. But you know, and we're still waiting for for those kind of advancements. But you know, again, it's just another sad story. Uh, yeah, because I was really hoping that uh, uh, Bruce Willis would, would be able to. Well, you know, we never know, but he'd, he'd be able to come out in the Oscars uh, and and and. Uh, and give out the best picture, mm-hmm. and that that would be like his last salute from the uh, from his peers, and I, I would think that would be like a great send off, great send off, yeah, to his life basically. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm still I'm still hoping that he's cognitive enough to do that. Yeah, it, it's really sad news about uh, Bruce Willis, but you know, we keep a little bit of hope out there. All right, that I guess that's it for this episode of Inside Flicks. We'll we'll leave you on that sad note. <laughs> A bummer of a note there. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with uh, uh, I guess whatever. I mean, uh, I, we gotta watch more tragedies. More, yeah. Someone will die the next week. We'll have to talk about. Well, oh yeah, right. Raquel, Raquel Welch. Oh fuck, we forgot about Raquel Welch. Uh, you want uh, just quickly because we're gonna leave. Legend, great actress, you know, Latina, uh-huh. you know, considered a, as a, one of the kind of international stars, not just a model, but also an actress. I don't know, which, what your, your thoughts of Raquel Welch? Well, I'm, I'm glad that she'll forever be immortalized in, uh, in the movie, in the best one, you know, the, one of the, uh, the best movies of all time, Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> no, no, no. The, uh, uh, for the her poster um, in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, uh, the so, uh, one million years BC. Mm-hmm. And that, which was her break, she'll, break breakthrough performance and breakthrough role. Yeah, yeah. That that in itself she'll be never forgotten. That that image of her in, in one million years BC is just as equal as Marilyn Monroe and uh, uh, not Cheryl. Cheryl Ladd, but um, Fair Fawcett, Fair Fair Fawcett, right? Yeah, I mean these are kind of iconic uh, women, sex Pinnips. symbols. Yeah, and 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 the you know you know she was one of them. You know, like much more than a standard pinup girl. Yes, uh, Raymond. Before we leave, what's your, your thoughts of Raquel Welch? Well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I've only seen one movie of hers, and it was like awful. It was Fathom. Uh, so um, what's that? Which one was that? Is like a it's a 1967 um, like British kind of like spy comedy about like beach babes. I guess you were into like spy it's awful spy sixty movies at the time. No, I, was, I, I, I just watched it on I just watched it on TV. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, it was awful. I get it, but I, I mean, I watched it and I mean, she was good in it. I guess, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, so that's the only movies I've seen. <laughs> oh, was she not in Gruffy Old Man? No, I don't think so. Oh, maybe the other one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was Le- Le- uh, Sophia Loren. Yeah, I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> she was in How to Be a Latin. You know, her last movie was How to Be a Latin Lover. I never saw that. She was still working it. She was still actively working. Uh, she was a Naked Gun 33 and a thirds uh, as herself. That's, that's the only Naked Gun movie I haven't and never saw. Uh, she's kind of most known for well, she kind of had a breakthrough with Fantastic Voyage, which is a movie that Richard loves as uh, when he was a kid. Didn't you love that movie? I don't even remember seeing that. Oh, I thought that was one of the movies. Or oh, I was thinking Black Hole. Mm. I get those two mixed mixed up too. <laughs> <laughs> she was a bedazzled, the original bedazzled. Never watched that one. That was the 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 remake that to with Brendan Fraser, right? <clears throat> yeah, I had the post. Uh, you mean <laughs> you mean the the remake? Yeah. Uh, she also was very famous for a hundred rifles. So you know she she had a, a great career. Uh, and I remember, uh, and, I remember. And I guess she won a Golden Globe for the Three Musketeers, uh, uh, a movie with um, Oscar. That's my mother. Um, uh, Michael York or Peter York? Yeah, Michael York. Yeah. Um, 
I remember Raquel Welsh in a TV show called American Family. It was a PBS show, and it was directed. It was created by Gre- Gregory Nava, who did Selena, and uh, it was all Latino uh, sh- family show, and it was on PBS. And had yes. Edward James almost as the head. He was the head patriarch, and she was like the sister. Or the you know she was you know she it was her coming like going back to her her Latino roots. And uh, she I remember her uh, in that show. So you know one of the great Latina movie stars. Um, so yeah, because of fandom, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, she was eighty two. Uh, so she will be missed. Rest in power. Raquel Welch. All right. That's it for this episode. We'll be back soon. We'll be back next week. All right. Thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. All right. Bye-bye.